<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Hey everyone, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that uh, we do talk a little bit about Maggie's segment in VHS 99. So if you haven't seen it yet, uh, we will put the spoiler warning time codes in the show notes. So make sure to check it out if you don't want to have um, a couple things ruined. Thanks. And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Maggie Levin. She's a filmmaker whose debut feature film, My Valentine, was part of Hulu's Into the Dark series. She also served as second unit director and credit designer for Universal's The Black Phone. And her latest work is the segment Shredding from VHS 99, which is currently on Shudder. And we also hear she's a disco empress. Welcome to the show. Hi. Oh my gosh, my formal title read out loud. I'm very <laughs> my self-appointed formal title. Yes. Oh, I always love when uh, whenever someone has like a website, I always go out to it to see what kind of like little factoid I could pull from it. And I saw that and I was like, I got I gotta include that. I really appreciate it. I graduated myself last year. I graduated myself from disco witch to disco empress. <laughs> Hell yeah. I feel like it's a very, like, very, very, very ambitious trajectory and there's a lot of studying involved. So I'm really, it's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. I was just like, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting older. I feel like we can, we can upgrade it for, I've been doing the witch thing since I was very small. Let's, let's give it a boost. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. But take us back to before when you might not even have been a disco witch. Take us back to the beginning. How did you get introduced to horror? I, um, that's a great question. I think that my formal introduction was Scream at a Slumber Party, original okay. Scream wow. at a Slumber Party, um, yeah. which is, I think, the optimal format for Scream. You know, if you're going to get introduced to a, to slashers, 
pajama party is kind of the way to go. And I, you know, I did a lot of waking my mom up because I couldn't sleep after that because I thought Ghostface was everywhere. A lot of looking behind shower curtains and things. And then I kind of tiptoed around it. I, I would say my next big horror moment was actually the the film we're about to talk about notwithstanding, which I think counts as a horror movie, but is technically oh. a black comedy. Um, oh, yeah, we'll the, get into that for sure. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. But when I was 16 and got dumped for the first time, really dumped for the first time, and uh, was nursing a broken heart, I remember I decided to rent Seven, uh, David Fincher's oh. Seven. Again, not a, not a formal horror movie, but very horrific. Uh-huh. And I watched that. I just watched it all weekend, just over and over. It was part of like, instead of eating a tub of ice cream, I just self-abused <laughs> with seven. <laughs> with what's in the what's box? In the box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's, uh, th- that's my horror origin story. And the, I would say that so far the horror I've made is a lot more, uh, a lot more playful. I mean, not, uh, Scream's pretty playful, but... Um, yeah, <laughs> it's not seven. No, no nothing not playful about wow. seven. Uh-uh. <laughs> Wait, how old were you when that first breakup happened again? I was sixteen. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. that's about when I went through my. Yeah, that's right. I I would have done something similar when I went through my first breakup. Just like watch the bleakest shit you can possibly find. Yeah, it just. I mean, I feel like I don't. I still don't understand why I didn't do like a sad record. I didn't do <laughs> any sad journaling. I was just like mutilated by Like <laughs> it was a very Hell weird yeah. choice. <laughs> Um, but it helped, you know, wow. I came out of that weekend feeling different for sure. <laughs> I, can, a new I can only imagine. Reborn. Back to, to, to Scream really briefly. How old do you think you were when you saw that? I think pretty young. Um, well, let's see. I, I, in the like middle school, it was middle school for me. Okay. As was very bad things. Um, okay. Yeah. So was was that your first like real horror movie or had you seen um, like other stuff before that? I had seen some other stuff and I would, I've seen some other stuff that I, I would consider that, that early, that late eighties, mid, actually mid eighties through early nineties children's movies were all pretty horrific. I know you guys have spoken <laughs> about a lot of them on this podcast. Um, sure have. I, you know, there was a real darkness to children's content at that time. Yes, we were not okay during that time period whatsoever. Like, good no. God. Absolutely no. not. Yeah, and uh, having worked on uh, a, a script for the sequel to Labyrinth, um, I did a lot of deep diving in the past couple of years on, um, you know, the darker Henson material, a lot of the darker puppetry in <laughs> the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s. It was pretty scary stuff. I would say also yeah. another one that really like that really broke me was um Never Ending Story Two. <laughs> like Oh, the uh, sequel. Two? Yes. <laughs> not the not uh uh what is it? The not the horse getting pulled into the swamp, which broke everyone's heart and uh but the the, the idea of cause in that movie he's using his memories, he's like 
sacrificing memories to climb some mountain. The movie's absurd. Yes, it is absurd. I, I was like, <laughs> have I seen that one? And the moment you said sacrifice memories, like, oh, yes, that's right. I do remember the sequel. <laughs> like, no one wanted kids to be kids anymore. Like, no, everyone was like, all right, kids, like, as soon as you can consume media, be confronted with the reality of exi- the crushing reality of existence and just welcome yeah. to adulthood immediately. Definitely. And I also grew up in a fair... So, I mean, movies aside, I grew up in upstate New York in Woodstock, New York, which is a fairly haunted place. You know, it is... uh, Every home is historic and and it ranges from like, "Mm, this is a little bit creepy to like, ah, there's definitely like shadow women running around (laughs) in here. I think uh, my, my mom is sitting over there so I could consult her and be like, did I see ghosts when I was a kid? <laughs> um, you know, I, there, there, I, there was a real presence in Woodstock, New York. I love that. I, yeah, I, my, I my... ended the conversation. <laughs> now, now I just want to talk about living there instead of movies. So I'm like, reorient your questions, Mary Beth. You can't keep talking. You cannot talk about ghost stories and hear and about the ghosts like, of Woodstock, New York. It's not too far away from Amityville. Um, oh, yeah. You know? It's in like that, yeah. that area, like that tri-state area that's like kind of New England that's just fucking haunted. And it always looks like it's fall, even when it's summer. And there's just like a exactly. vibe that's just like... Kind of creepy, not like super scary, but weird. And it's yes. the best. There's yeah. something about like those old houses because my parents live in a Victorian now, and it's a place where instant they haunted. did <laughs> instant haunted. Well, the they basement. did funerals. Oh, well, I'll get to the basement. They did funerals <laughs> in like where their living room is now. Like they, that's wow. where they presented the bodies. And then the basement is there's a portion of the basement that I'm fairly certain those same bodies are probably buried in because it's just dirt. It is just yep. dirt down there, and it's like you walk down there, it's like. This doesn't feel right. <laughs> I have a dirt basement in my home. I think actually the home that I selected to live in, my forever home, is is a is an echo of one of the houses that I grew up in. And uh, yeah. I'm I'm married to a fellow horror filmmaker and a gift for uh, the completion of of his movie that I that I did second unit on. Um, Blumhouse installed a black phone in our dirt basement. <laughs> So, so we have an extra creepy basement. Um, oh, that's yeah. amazing! That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, when you pick it up, it <laughs> auto dials Jason Blum's cell phone. No, no oh, joke. Shit. Yeah. So you that's can never scary. pick up. That's phone. also terrifying. I'd be like, that's scarier than ghosts. Be like, uh, like someone picks hey, it up. <laughs> Direct line. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Oh, wow. So, okay, so you had, like, a spooky childhood. You lived in a spooky place. You saw Scream. Yes. Were you a scared kid? Did did movies scare you at all when you were a little yes. kid? Oh, heavily. I, I, I definitely went through a long period of time. Actually, I kind of wore my whatever part of my brain out could, that could do them at after that seven experience and and had to take a long break, yeah. which was, I think, good cultural timing. You know, so I kind of missed... I certainly miss the Hostel Saw era. Um, I have an idea of what they're about, but only an idea. Um, and then my <laughs> horror re-education came later when I had grown a spine again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but also there there are things in there that I discounted for the longest time. You know, I had like one of my dearest favorite rewatches. I mean, anything vampire, but like 
near dark lost mm. boys i was consuming a lot of that and then being like well that's not you know it's not really horror unless we're doing human oh. centipede mm-hmm. like you know like, <laughs> <laughs> torture uh, porn or bust yeah, right. there's no other kind there's no <laughs> divide no boundaries but getting certainly getting into the horror filmmaking and becoming a part of the community i'm like oh i actually am a much bigger more educated fan of horror than I even gave myself credit for until way later. So oh, you yeah. love it. So vampires are some of your favorites. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. am a, I, like a really uh, give me any vampire. I don't really care. I don't, I don't have a snobbish taste about it. I'll take, I'll take the corny romance novel ones and I'll take the vicious, you know, I'll take the highbrow, let the right one in and I'll give me, Give me Twilight 4 also. I'm there for all of it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Look, the resurgence of love and twi- for Twilight is hilarious to me because I was a Twi hard as a tween. So it just, yes. any- anyway, we won't go down that path though. Um, <laughs> but Maggie, do you still get scared now watching horror movies? I thought not. And then I saw a smile a couple weeks oh. ago. No way. <laughs> okay. That was Love the first that. one for me in a while that I spent half the movie under my shirt. There's and, some really good jump scares in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I there is something about a disturbing, a distorted human face. Like, you know, just the basic premise of that movie is very unsettling. And then, yeah, the jump scares in that movie are uh, unbelievably effective. And wait, I'm I'm stoked about how well it's doing. I was like, this. Me too. This I is know. great news for all of us. Barbarian Bar- and Smile, like yeah. for the, just like the past month, like oh my god, I'm so excited. Did you yeah, see Barbarian? 2022 is a really special year for horror. I haven't seen Barbarian yet, and it's like okay. the only one that I have. Like I've seen normally every year. I'm like I've seen three movies 500 times, and this year I have seen almost everything except for Barbarian. It'll be out soon on on VOD at least. Oh, that's I heard right. It's HBO. terrific. It's so good. Awesome. It's I so need good. To see it. I need to see it. Um. So do you remember like the? Oh, I guess I mean Smile. But aside from Smile, do you remember the last film that like truly terrified you? Oh, prior to Smile. I- no, I, I could, I, I should, I did the early childhood <laughs> version. Um, what, what scared me in my adulthood? What is it called? House of the Devil? The Thai West 70s one? Yes, I think so. With the little ba- with <laughs> yes. the babysitter and the... Yes. So as soon as, that's the one. And that's a 2009. I'm good with, listen, if you've seen, have you guys seen Shredding? Oh, have yeah. you seen oh, my yeah. segment? Oh, okay, yeah. great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you know, I find gore hilarious. Um, I think, you know, the more blood, <laughs> the more like I would say probably my favorite horror movie is Green Room. And that's a big it's a mess. You know, okay. we're making a mess. Yeah, that movie oh, is yeah. a mess. And I, like, I'll get the giggles when things are really gory. I just think (laughs) there's something delightful about it. So once House of the Devil gets to, you know, really messing people up, I'm like, this is fine. I'm having a good time. But the dread sequences, for me, dread sequences. And then I suppose, uh, you know, one prior to that is is Sinister. (laughs) Oh, Sinister is... uh... You know? I watched it like I'm. I know that this is an audio, so I'm. I look. 
I'm looking through my uh, my fingers. You know, I'm turning the sound off. I went, I confessed early in my relationship to him. I was like, listen, the first time I watched The Shining, I turned the sound off and I read the Wikipedia entry. <laughs> so, oh, and then, uh, and then actually another good one is Dr. Sleep. Even though most of the movie I was having a, a grand old time, but I went to a, a very, a very small screening, a screening for me and one other person. And at one point in the movie, when was it? There was a dread sequence going on. I laid down on the floor. <laughs> and I didn't have to watch. So yes, I still do get scared. That's fantastic. And I, I love a that. visceral reaction. A really big body reaction to things. I don't scream, but I I actively hide. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I I love it when people have that kind of visceral reaction to horror movies because I'm you know when when you're like a critic and whatnot, you've watched so many of them that it's it's it, those rare moments where like smile that just can break that facade and remind you of why you got into horror. It's just oh yeah, so great. Yeah, so great. I also love you know one of the real gifts of of working on Black Phone and then watching it's watching its editorial process and then watching it get screened for people. Um, I sat in the back of many a screening and mm. watched everyone jump at the first big jump scare and then get the giggles at themselves afterwards. Yep. That's one of my favorite things is the, is the aftermath, the coda on the, on the jump. Yes. That's one of the best parts about seeing a really good jump scare movie in a movie theater is yeah. that sort of like titter that happens afterwards as people are like, oh, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to laugh at yourself after you've just jumped out of your skin. Yeah. And that's what I mean, like, that's what makes I think that's one of the reasons why horror continues to do so beautifully in theaters is because it really mm -hmm. is like a fun collective experience. Yeah. Yeah. The best, the the most reactive audience I sat with uh, for Black Phone was at Tribeca, where we had people actively screaming all the time. <laughs> it was amazing. So, there was, That's I so think, cool. there were like two, one on either side of me that were just like, ah! anytime anything scary happens, it's great. And like, I just saw Halloween ends in theaters, and like, I have opinions about that movie. But regardless of my opinions about that movie. I saw it at like a, a, at a screening, like an advanced screening, but there were fan, people that were just fans there. And I haven't yeah. gone to the theater that wasn't a press screening in a while. And like hearing people laugh and get excited. And like there's a scene where, sorry, spoilers, Darcy, the male girl from Joba has a cameo and everyone was like, it's Darcy. And like, that was really cool. I don't know. So it's really That's cool great. to have those like experiences to see how people react to things. Because I'm so used to having like a singular experience watching on my computer. So seeing everyone else's reactions is really cool. Yeah, and a good cheer moment after. Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. I would have loved to see Green Room in a theater because, you know, by the oh. time they make it, oh, I was yeah. like so stoked. I think also I saw Invisible Man. I went to the premiere for Invisible Man and I had a, a hard time for part of it. But then by the time we we all made it to the end together, everybody was like, yeah, it was great. <laughs> that was the second to last movie I saw because we did a double feature of that in the lodge right before COVID hit. It was that, that was my last movie in theaters for the longest time. The longest time. Me too. Yeah. And now, of course, I don't remember what the first one back was. <laughs> no, <laughs> too many. <laughs> All right, so you mentioned shredding a little bit. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your your segment in VHS 99? Yeah. So 
mind-blowing. It takes place in 1999. Um, there's a, a, a quartet of uh, high school pranksters um, who also happen to be a, a quote-unquote band. And, you know, we're, we're using the term band in loose air quotes. Mostly what they do is film their video series of, of uh, causing general mayhem called Rack Fucks Shit Up. Uh, and they decide that their mission for episode eight is that they're going to go into the condemned, burned down husk of a of a former underground music venue. And, uh, you know, they they fuck around and they find out. <laughs> fuck around and they find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also there's like a legend of the band that got trampled to death in in the uh, venue. His name is Bitch Cat. And um, I, I, I wanted to do a thing where the villains got a hero treatment and vice versa so we have a nice it's a fun little uh switch switcheroo story the people who look like villains are the good guys and the people who uh look like heroes are are very much the bad guys (laughs) and is the horror what happens to them or is the horror how awful they are to each other take or leave It's a good question, which uh, I also has like a little bit of connections to what we're going to talk about a little bit Absolutely. later too. Yeah, <laughs> I want Bitch Cat to be a real band so bad. Well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, me too. <laughs> um, yeah, they they also want to be a real band. Having done this a couple of times, making rock bands just for movies or pop stars just for movies is an area of of expertise for me it's the most fun it's you get to go to like they get to go to band camp together Uh, it's the it's a blast yeah so i I was gonna ask because um i know that uh your your into the dark uh movie was also about a a pop star Uh, is music really important to you because i'm definitely sensing this like rock and roll kind of punk vibe coming through absolutely i i i have I like to say in my formal bios and stuff that I have rock and roll roots. And part of that is uh, my, my father is a bass player. And so I grew up very young going on, on pop and rock tours with him. And then, (laughs) and then I, uh, I really got started properly making properly in filmmaking as a music video director. And then of course, along the way, I've been a giant music fan myself i've certainly dated a lot of musicians um, <laughs> so i've been in and around the music world in different ways uh wearing many different hats and uh it's where i've found that i have a lot of fun stories to tell and also i can i i always when i'm making something want to be able to bring as much lived authenticity to something because i think i really care about that as a viewer and uh, and it's important to me as a filmmaker to really when you're gonna when you're gonna tell a story you tell it right. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to do that in the world of music. Uh, I think pretty readily. Hell so yeah. what's your uh, what's your music genre of choice? Oh, do you have I one? like a little, I, I like a little bit of everything. Um, a little bit of everything. I've been re- I've been really into since making shredding. I've been really into proper like mid 90s riot girl stuff Um, i've been i've been on a bikini kill and an l7 and and then and then a later day like daisy and the scouts has been big for me lately there's a band out now called girlwood it's like i love them um check out the song i'm your dad (laughs) (laughs) already sounds incredible yeah um but you know throughout the years 
you know, I, I, I've done a lot of sort of alt rock, um, you know, a St. Vincent, a Rufus Wainwright, a James Blake, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh and then all the way to I had a big mindless self indulgence phase, which if you've ever been oh, to one okay. of those shows, um, those shows are really nuts. <laughs> the floor is yeah. covered in vomit, and uh, <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I I love I love music, and I I when I Thank came you. into like my own in terms of like the the music that I I still listen to today it was definitely the alt rock of like the 90s with like yeah. the bands that have the weird ass names like butthole surfers you know yes. and all of them like that was that was my music that like I was like oh music can be fun and exciting and and some of it can be a little bit um out of the mainstream some of it can be queer yeah. which I really love like yep. just ah here for it yeah i think um another uh, things that like sort of changed the fabric of who I am, you know, Velvet Goldmine was a was a real mm. moment for me. Um immediately following very bad things was actually my Velvet Goldmine moment. And I got deeply into like glam. I got to see Bowie. Yeah. I and Ugh. um and then, you know, Beck's Midnight Vultures is probably like a yep. peak album for me. And then of course as I'm waving my Prince tattoo around, I had like ah. A very heavy Prince phase that has never died. <laughs> um, it's very, and you know, I have my like tribute purple hair. It's, you know, it's, it's a powerful influence on me. Hell yeah. Uh, his music was so good. Yeah. But um, oh. we talk, obviously we talked a lot about the music, but I want to hear also more about the design of uh, some of the gore and some of the creatures. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Skirt around. I, I'm trying to skirt around spoilers, but there is some. I don't want to not talk about like the practical effects in this because yeah. they're so good. Thank you. I mean, a lot of that is you know gotta credit Patrick McGee and his studio and his people um, who did just an just a phenomenal job. Um, one of the things that is so special and so fun about getting invited to do a VHS movie is you just know that you're going to take your idea to an 11 or a 12 mm-hmm. and really throw as much as at the wall as you can. And you're going to be asked not to rein it in, but to push the boundaries as far as you can. And to me, I'm like, well, that means we're dropping full buckets of goo from the ceiling and spoiler. That means that we're building meat kids out of their shredded body parts like Love you know that that's moment. what i want to do and we're gonna do it practically and i will say like with the exception of a couple of little tight tiny paint outs 100 practical that's awesome which is so fun and that i mean it's a little daunting you know you're only gonna get what you know we, we could only drop that bucket from the ceiling right. one time <laughs> right uh did not have the time or the resources for a reset and probably the messiest uh wildest one was actually one of the bitch cats again spoil at this point you're past spoilers in this episode sorry yeah, guys we'll, we'll, we'll toss um, like a little spoiler warning but but it's out on shutter by the time maybe. this episode drops so like you should watch yeah, it by now go Come watch on. the movie <laughs> also maybe this will be enticing one of the bitch cats does go down and when we were melting her head um, that was also a single take and we oh, had wow. like, an, uh, we had myself, the DP and the second AC all running. We run, ran three different cameras oh, on wow. it as, as Deirdre, the bitch cat was like bent over on her side, 
and there's like six makeup people behind her just like pumping uh weird baking soda liquid <laughs> through her face mask and me- literally melting it it was so fun oh that's so, <laughs> so cool, cool. That is so cool. Yeah. I love those moments when you when you when you see like how practical effects come yeah. to be. That is just oh, it's so cool. Oh, the pa- I have great BTS also of um, Chris Carbonara, who's the trench coat kid, when he's getting his like torso peeled off. Uh, again, there's like an army of six people to the side with huge blood syringes, just like <laughs> pumping the blood out of his stomach. And then the, the two bitch cats who can hardly see because they're covered in in their own makeup, going like, ah! it turned out great. That's so cool. And that's why making horror movies is the it's best. So... It's so much fun. That's that's my favorite thing. I mean, this, I know it's a lot of I know it's a lot of like hard work, but it also kind of just like it reminds me of being like a kid again and being able to do sort of like these wild ass things. I mean, I remember as a kid being able to play with like toys that had uh, the Ghostbuster slime and whatnot. And just, I feel like movie making with practical effects is like, brings you back to that moment of just like, what can we add here? What can we do here? That's that's so cool. Yeah. I I think I was a pretty like tidy. I mean, a a little uh, cluttery kind of a kid, but I I didn't, I never liked to get my hands (laughs) dirty. Um, Like I, I, but as an adult, like there's something I really relate to that Marie Kondo quote. I love mess. I love mess. <laughs> That's me. And your job is to make mess, kind of ish, if you think about yeah. it, which is a great. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's really uh, something. I, I think I, I think I freak my friends out when I'm like, look at this part. They like slam his hand in a door and then it falls off. I'm like, yay! They're like. <laughs> Okay. I don't know what it is. What's wrong with me? But I, I, I've said this about the VHS series before. I think that I can speak for the other directors uh, when I say, you really find out what kind of sicko you are when you're asked to make a VHS segment. They're really uh, revealing. I love that, yeah, though. I, I can imagine. And this this one feels so much uh, like... I I 94 I I think has like some really great segments but this one feels it and does. it it tie, I think it ties into your your piece it feels very punk rock and a little bit more sort of loosey goosey around the edges just sort of like what can we throw out there and just sort of like be a punk yeah. about it and I I I don't know there's something really refreshing about this in this very long running series to have a very punkish feel to it. Yeah, it definitely. We did, we all had no idea what the other people were making. We were oh, all sort of siloed okay. off, and and we didn't look at each other's scripts. We all met for the first time at the premiere at Toronto um, Film Festival, and so it was shocking to see how we had gone kind of thematically into mm. similar areas. We all made horror comedies, yeah. um, which I don't think has ever happened in a in a VHS before and and they all have that kind of like brash you know 99 attitude to them you know there was a real bombastic if you look at commercials from that period of time or really mm-hmm. any of the major mainstream content from that period of time everybody was yelling yep. <laughs> like, really everyone, everyone was had yelling Gibson was like <laughs> everyone's wearing yeah. as many colors as possible it, and looks just like like they are, have had so much caffeine or a lot of cocaine they're just like very awake very yes. aware of their surroundings. Yeah. 
It was like Red Bull and and uh, frosted tips and screaming. Frosted tips, yes. Um, Back when I had hair, yeah. I had frosted tips because I I graduated from high school in '99. Like so, this like Hi. like just felt like yes, this is what '99 was like to me. I'm so glad. I did. I, I think uh, my one of my actresses said on a, on a podcast recently. She was like, "It feels like a love letter to." Old elder millennials and yes. and I'm like that's good that's I feel very proud of that yes oh <laughs> yeah uh, and uh, it is you know it, we worked really hard from in every capacity in every department like I said that authenticity is something that's really important to me as a filmmaker so you know from the from the body jewelry that bitch cat's wearing down to every single glitch on that film, which were handmade in quotes by my editor on a VHS recorder. You know, we, we fought really hard to make sure that, you know, if you, if you pick apart every frame of this film, it is 99 era authentic. You will not find a smartphone tucked off somewhere. There's not a coffee no, cup. No Starbucks mug you know. on the set. No. <laughs> Just goo. Um, but, yes. okay, so we've spoke about your horror history, Maggie, but what movie did you bring with you today for us to discuss? Oh, boy. I brought the uh, 1998 black comedy directed by Peter Berg called Very Bad Things. Starring Cameron Diaz, Christian Slater, everyone. and everyone John Favreau, the Jeremy cast is Piven, stacked. yeah, everyone, Daniel Stern, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in very bad things, a sex worker is killed during a bachelor party when the and the attendees turn on each other as the wedding approaches. I like that the the uh, contemporary version is actually uh, sex no, worker I because did, boy, I did, were uh, we change not... that for this. I was like, ah. I just Thank don't you. like saying that word anymore. I just don't feel good about it. So I took I took I yeah. took creative yep. liberties. IMDb. I took creative liberties. It's amazing to I just want to start out with I, thank you, Peter Berg, for Friday Night Lights. Uh, changed my life in the opposite way that this changed my life. It's insane to me that this was his first movie. This was his first. Um, I guess you grow a lot over the years. <laughs> okay. And yes. you know, get, I'm being in the arena of like how hard it is to get your first feature made. I understand that like maybe sometimes you're just doing well you can do. I don't want to, I don't want to slag on the movie too much, but like, listen, this is hard through a 2022 lens. This movie is rough. Yes, it sure <laughs> as fuck is. I have to turn off part of my brain, but we'll talk about that after we hear Maggie, what your scarred for life story is. <laughs> but yes, let's take it back to when oh. you first saw this movie. How old were you? How did you see this movie? Give us your horror story and give us your scene. I, I want to know why this movie okay. is your Scarred for Life pick. Again, middle school. Yes. Post-Scream. I had... So my, I think, sixth grade boyfriend... I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuzzy memory. But, like, I had a boyfriend in middle school. And, again, air quotes on boyfriend. <laughs> we broke up because I moved. And then I came back in the summer of 98 i came back to woodstock (laughs) and jeff warner and i were like we're gonna go on our first ever proper date but it's a proper date that our parents have to drive us to we have to get driven hell yeah we had to get driven to the mall and i think i'm not sure what this movie was rated but our parents may have had to buy us the ticket (laughs) it's rated r so they probably did okay so my dad drove me and jeff 
I'm pathetic. And, you know, I should have been thinking about, like, <laughs> are we going to hold hands or, you know, other very early, very young first date things. And instead, this nightmare <laughs> began unfolding in front of me. <laughs> you know, the movie begins with one of the most horrific, gruesome, sudden deaths of of somebody and followed quickly by another one <laughs> of the sex worker, right? So, and the movie is chock full of imagery that continues to haunt me to this day. So much so that there's an ending image. The last kill in the movie is something that I emulated I did a tribute to in my Valentine, uh, the last kill in my Valentine, or second to last kill in my Valentine is the last kill effectively of very bad things. Um, and so we didn't hold hands this movie. We didn't kiss after this movie. <laughs> Nobody was getting any to any base during this movie. We left. His dad picked us up and we're just like standing next to each other like horrified little fish sticks. Um, I get dropped off. I like run into my house. I never spoke to that boy again. Oh no! Because <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't deal with it. I was so upset and so guard so traumatized by this movie i couldn't talk to him ever again i just i'm really sorry jeff out there jeff i ghosted you because of my movie trauma it was not you it was the movie (laughs) oh my god that was brutal (laughs) that's one of the best stories i've ever heard on this podcast Uh (laughs) uh-huh and we've heard a lot a lot of stories but that one I don't think anyone yeah. has involved the f- a first date in the sixth grade. Poor it seemed very dark. Like, Poor and like, Jeff. like what? Okay, it was marketed as a. Con- I know, you know, this is yeah. like we're in we're in the years of something about Mary. I'm like, it's Cameron Diaz. I love her. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's Christian Slater. I hadn't seen Heather's at that point. I don't know what I had seen, but it felt safe. <laughs> so, like, what? Is there a, what, are there scenes in particular? I mean, there's a lot of scenes, but like scenes in particular that really stuck with you and that really traumatized you besides that, obviously that death. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, the, the hook in the back of her neck is so Jesus. to uh, ruin it for everybody. Uh, the, the, oh, we're, uh, we're digging into spoilers. The sex worker get, is, the, it's a bachelor party that's getting real rowdy and they hire a sex worker and they, and he is one of the guys who's like bang her in the bathroom and bangs her into a towel hook on the wall. And it goes into the back of her neck and she's instantly dead. And then I think a security guard comes and like checks uh-huh. up on what's, what's that racket up there. And then they kill him too. They kill him too. <laughs> like, so quickly, yeah. man. Wow. Escalated. Yeah. Also worth noting that it's the two people of color that the first two people of color we've seen in this movie, bam, bam, dead, dead. So, you know, we're not winning any, any friends here. Um, and then, you know, the plan is we're going to, we're going to get rid of the bot. Anyway, I don't need to tell you the whole plot, but the images that have stuck with me were the, the first death, then they decide to dismember both of these bodies. And I remember vividly the, dis- the discussion and the image 
of the dismembered bodies reassembled on the ground because one or two of the guys are Jewish and they're like, we can't bury the body in parts. This is a broad comedy. You're in sixth grade on a date watching this with a young boy, (laughs) never been like, had never probably done even kissing and are just watching the most heteronormative, toxic masculinity (laughs) movie of the entire, I've I've ever fucking seen. Oh my God. Just wretched. (laughs) Just absolutely the worst pick. Yeah. And then the other image that really stuck with me is, you know, Cameron, there's something about Mary Diaz. Who's um you know a a cartoonish a cartoonish bridezilla in a very offensive way in this movie, picking up a I think is it a hat rack or something? It's like a hat rack or a coat rack, yeah, yeah. some kind of rack. Yeah. I didn't. Here's the thing, guys. I didn't do. I couldn't do a rewatch. I was like, if this does to me what it did to me, then I'm. I just like revisited. I did a skim mm-hmm. because I'm like I don't. I can't reabsorb the psychic energy of the film <laughs> a second time it's, it's cursed oh me. my god it's cursed it's, yeah it's understandable though i i um, mean this story man it's uh it's yeah so the her like smashing that guy's face in with the bottom of the hat rack just this just pounding that dude's head in and yeah it's the uh you if you see my Valentine, uh, I use a mic stand and do a very similar kill because it, you know, it really stuck with me. And I also, it's a very yucky way to kill somebody in a movie. Uh, yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, this 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 movie is funny to me because I I saw this. It came out in '98. So I saw it either late, sometime late 98 or probably early 99, whenever it came out on VHS. And I remember, I'm 17, 18 at this time. I'm a horny little closeted queer kid that anytime there's something to do with sex, I'm like, ooh, maybe I'm going to see some male nudity in it. And so I remember going to Hollywood Video and renting a bunch of movies, and this was one of them, waiting until everyone in the house was asleep. I had a VCR in my room and popping the tape in and being like, okay, this is going to be a sex comedy. This is going to be, you know, like, I'm going to see that. And then getting to the scene and, you know, we we see, see Jeremy Piven's butt, and then it's all of a sudden... Everything goes to hell. And I remember going, oh, <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. And That's I, I, so, honestly, I'm so sad on a different level. You're like, oh, cool. Cool butt. And then, cool butt. And then wrecked. And then, and then just, just absolute <laughs> disturbing mayhem. And I honestly, I don't remember anything. I didn't remember anything else about this movie until I sat down to watch it last night. And as I was sitting there watching it, all of a sudden, like little bits of flashes, the uh, especially the very end when John Favreau's character is holding the shovel and he's going to bash the head in on his friend as he's like, and he decides not to at the last minute, right? And but it's like I'm I'm watching this and there's like just flashes of this and like oh yeah I remember I remember seeing this as like a 17 18 year old and going. This is not what I signed up for. <laughs> yeah, it really, it's one of those things. You, you you run into it occasionally now where people market a different movie than the one you go see. Your marketing department decides a bunch of things. But also, you know, at the time, there were a lot of like rompy sex comedies mm-hmm. that were dark, but they were funny. And, you know, this one, there's a tr- 
a terrific uh the roger ebert review is did you guys read that no No, i I haven't i might have read it back in the day but i very bad things isn't a bad movie just a reprehensible one (laughs) it presents as comedy things that are not amusing if you think this movie is funny that tells me things about you i don't want to (laughs) know it's true and he goes on you know to to speak about the racism and and a number of other things but you know the the conclusion of of the review is i left the theater feeling sad and angry and uh, you know i i was neither i wasn't old enough to feel sad or angry i just felt revulsion and fear yeah uh i mean okay so (laughs) reading this now and and i i have to admit I did laugh rewatching yeah. this movie at a couple times. The in particular, the scene that just really like the one scene in this movie that I think is actually really funny, but I have a very dark comedic sense of humor is when they have the suitcases full of body parts and they're like, we cannot bury them like this. We have to reform the body. <laughs> and they're sitting there trying to pick up body parts and like, I have an arm here. I have a mixed bag over here. I have the person's head. Like, it's just, it's so, my sense of humor is either very dark or it's also absurd. And this moment kind of captures both of those of like, it is so dark. Like, this is not supposed to be funny what they're doing, but it's also incredibly absurd. And I'm just sitting there going, I cannot believe Peter Berg thought in 1998, let's have a movie in which these Big stars or people that are going to be big stars or had been big stars are going to reform two body parts, two bodies in the desert and then bury them back in their respective suitcases. I'm like, what am I even watching right now? Dude, I, I yeah. It's <laughs> and absurd. I gotta say, like, one of the reasons why I was excited to talk about this now in the context of having made a movie that is very much about. Let's rip all the body parts apart. Well, I was thinking that too as I was watching this last night. I was like, oh. Yeah, like you can see how formative, even though I only saw it once and it absolutely terrorized me, it had a profound and important influence on my life that I now think in my own version of it, it, I'm like, hilarious. Gross, (laughs) very funny. But, uh, you know, that's one of the joys of of being a a maker of horror is like reliving all the stuff that fucked you up in a context that feels like happy and fun for you. And I'm well aware that, you know, it's possible (laughs) that some, you know, poor 11, 12, 13 year old gal is going to see this, uh, uh, you know, maybe in her living room um, (laughs) on a date. I don't know. uh, And, and, and have a equally messed up experience about it and it also like brings to me i've had a a lot of talks over the past year of this sort of when horror feels mean or when comedy feels mean spirited and and like how you toe that line and i i think that there's certainly even though i feel a lot of joy looking at what i made in shredding i think there is uh, it certainly was written to represent and was uh full of the kind of meanness of that period of time it was Mm -hmm. a very we were a very powerful country uh we had more money than god like it's and and you know especially pre-columbine and pre-9-11 
nothing bad was happening to the U.S. And you see it in the, um, I mean, I'm sorry, nothing was happening. Nothing bad was happening to white straight people in the U.S., I should specify. So I think the content and and the thing, the things that were going on in culture had this like um, sort of power drunk nastiness to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. That's so true though. Well, so I had, I had not even actually heard of this movie until you suggested it, Maggie. So I was like, the fuck? I'm shocked. <laughs> like the fuck is this? And I was like, okay, it sounds like the hangover because this, this movie predates a lot of movies I have already seen. So I was Excited to talk about this with you guys because I have a very different like viewpoint on it right now because I'm like, this feels like such a pain. Like it feels like I, I was like, it has to be satire, right? Like it, it just felt so ridiculous that I was like, this is satirizing romantic comedies. And I feel like all these other movies that have come after it have wanted to emulate it, but haven't hit that meanness. And I kind of loved how mean it was. This movie is vile. Like, when I say love, this movie is fucking vile. But I love how vile it is. And that just, I think that might just be, like, where I'm at right now. And maybe because I'm also getting married, like, this is coming out, like, with less than a week before my wedding. And I'm just watching this. I'm cackling. I'm just like, (laughs) I, it's just so fucking funny i am sitting here because like i haven't really i don't watch a lot of like romantic comedies um and so i this is the first time i've watched like since i've been engaged like watched really a movie that has that kind of like romantic like getting married plot and i was dying i was like i'm i just this is what i thought getting married was for the longest time and my experience has been not that obviously but I'm not crying about padded chairs, though my mom has been, so that's been fun. But this movie is just so like, this is just like, whenever I thought about bachelor parties as a kid, and like, when I was younger, I was like, oh, men are gonna go on their bachelor parties and do crazy shit. Like, this is the movie that I feel like started it. Is this the movie that started it? Because I, yes. it feels like it. And no wonder no one has topped it because no one wants to be that fucking vile. And Peter Berg, congratulations. Yeah. That was repulsive. <laughs> well, Why did I like it so much though? Like what's wrong with me? <laughs> well, I mean, because, because weddings bring up a lot of stuff. I got, I got married earlier this year. <laughs> I, I have a lot of friends who've just gotten married. Oh, you know. They bring up all your shit, all your family shit. And there does become a kind of like, it does bring out every everybody's most stressed, most monstrous, and and there is an idea of like what? nothing is gonna fuck with this day, you know. <laughs> so well, you've been planning it for so long that it's like he gets this moment. He it's like so much money. Nothing like... can go wrong because of all the money. You can't change. It. I love that there's a repeating refrain in here where Cameron's character is like, "We are not canceling this wedding. We are not moving this wedding." As the bodies are starting to pile up, she's like, <laughs> "We can't. We have things in stone. We have things paid for. We cannot move this." And it's at all costs. We yes, must, we must get married on this day in this way. It doesn't matter if they have to kill somebody in the hallway in order to make it happen. Terry, if you don't text me on my wedding day saying that you killed someone in the bathroom, then you can't come to my wedding. <laughs> Great, you want me to be on like some some watch list? Yeah. I killed someone. I killed someone That's in your not going to come up to be used against me. <laughs> but okay. So, Mary Beth, you talked about The Hangover, and that was the immediate frame of reference for this movie, even though this movie came out 
years earlier. I forget when The Hangover came like out. But it was It was early 2000s? 2006? 2004. That era of specific humor. Of yes. that humor. But, Misogyny core. Yes. Yeah. But see, I think that's what's so oh interesting gosh, about this film. The Hangover film. was 2009. You're shitting me. Oh, no, wow. really? Oh. Well, what the fuck? kind of a bummer, What is time? Right? <laughs> that actually is, is kind of a bummer. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh. oh, I thought we were doing a little <laughs> better by then. Not so much. <laughs> I mean, The Hangover is kinder than this, but... It is, sort of. but I think what this movie does, though, is it kind of like, before this was even a... a a subgenre of comedy that was very popular in the 2000s. Like, there's all these, like, boys trips where boys are going to go and do stuff and their boys are going to be bad, right? Like, it's like that sort of, like, bad behavior type road trip, wedding crashers, that kind of stuff, where it's like, boys will be boys. We're going to go do all this shitty stuff. And, you know, by the end of the movie, everything's going to be okay. And we're not, we're going to get off scot-free, no matter what kind of zaniness we, we experience. And this movie is like, yes. No. <laughs> and so that's what I what I think is so funny watching this in 2022 is the fact that like this is this this core group of friends you will see repeated in the hangover. Like we have Boyd, Christian Slater's character, who is like that sort of alpha male. He's gotten into self-help guruism and he's like, you know, he's the he wants to be the leader of the group. And you have Adam, played by Daniel Stern, who's sort of the milk toast character who's already married, you know, kind of doesn't feel like he's part of the group. And Michael, Jeremy Piven's character, who's Adam's brother, who's also like, he has a chip on his shoulder and, you know, his brother is married and has like this life and he doesn't. So he feels like minimized from that. But you have all these character tropes and more the the sort of like oddballish character played by Leland Oser, Orser. And you see these characters repeated in like The Hangover, particularly yeah. with like John Favreau's character being sort of like the everyman, the 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 straight man, the the character that's like all the shit's happening around him, and poor John Favreau's character, right? And yeah. I'm seeing this, and I'm watching The Hangover, and I'm I'm and I'm thinking about The Hangover as I'm watching this, and I'm I'm like The Hangover has like all these wild things happen. But at the end of the day, you know that they're going to be okay. And this movie is like, yeah. no, this friend group that we sort of like see in cinema repeated throughout time of being like, this is what men for male friendship is like, is actually quite toxic and misogynistic yeah. and homophobic and horrible. And I, so I do like the way this movie sort of That's takes this, this sort of like buddy comedy beginning and then just sort of like picks it apart and says, no, these people are horrible. And in fact, the bridezilla in the beginning, yeah. who says you need to drop these friends. It's not this woman that's being like, oh, I don't like your friends. No, this woman is like realizing your friends are horrible and you need to ditch them. Yeah. And so I, I think there's some yeah. interesting things at play here that I that kind of surprised me rewatching this in 2022. I agree with that. And but... there is also like, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I agree, I agree no, no. with that because it just feels like it just feels so extreme so ridiculous and taking those like you said those tropes and taking them to like the craziest shit like I'm mean, again like the bridezilla which is always the misogynistic like women are so crazy on your wedding day and having <laughs> mm-hmm. her literally kill someone like I'm obsessed like obsessed with that and like it's done in like obviously yes. a terrible way but it's like maybe it wasn't his intention but looking at it as like kind of that just complete like tearing down of that format even though the format didn't exist yet yeah it's just it's it's weird it's fascinating but it also is i mean it did come after swingers which was kind of yep. a big a big thing and and you know we were 
I think right on the heels of kind of my best friend's wedding, things like that. So, so these, these things were definitely there to be satirized. And it's interesting that it, that it laid some groundwork for um, perhaps less honest versions of later stuff. Um, But there's something, I mean, I, and, and not, it's interesting having this conversation now because not even realizing it, other things that I that I've gleaned from that period of time, and that not to keep promoting the movie, but like keep that show up thematically in many of the segments of VHS ninety nine that maybe we were all kind of feeling at the time, is this idea of like you know this this herd mentality, mm-hmm. uh, your pack of friends. If you just let yourself sort of be led blindly into danger and let the let the craziest, most uh, most cruel one among you call the shot. Yes, you could wind up in some pretty serious trouble. Yeah, like Boyd yeah. is a freaking sociopath. Like even yeah. from even before things start to get to go from like grim to worse, he is. He, <laughs> so uh, watching this movie again um in 2022 i was like i had two thoughts one i was like this friend group is exhausting there's that scene in the beginning when they're we're sort of getting introduced to all the characters and their dynamics and they're driving out to vegas in the car and everyone is shouting at each other and no one seems to like each other and i'm like this is like my nightmare is like an introvert that just doesn't want to have any kind of interpersonal conflicts and everyone is freaking shouting at each other and then the other thought i had is like straight men are so exhausting (laughs) They this are, whole, they always have been. This, this whole movie, especially, and like that to me, the straight men are exhausting thing is on display so fully in the murder scene slash stripper scene because, good lord, they're just all humping the air and like, look, they're gonna jerk off while their friend is getting a lap dance from this fucking poor sex worker who is just like, I just am trying to make some money for the night, you fucking creepazoids. Like, leave me. It's like. And they're all just, like, salivating. And that's just, like, what we think of yeah. with bachelor parties. Like, and everyone's yeah. like, oh, yes. You're, it's icky. Your fiancé's going up to his bachelor party. And I was like, ew, not like that. And, like, I watched this. I'm like, no wonder we all think bachelor <laughs> parties are fucking foul. Like, no wonder yeah. we expect that. It's just, it's fucking the most, like, exhausting, straight, but also homoerotic because there's the UFC fight on in the yes. background and then they start wrestling each other. And then, and that's intercut with Jeremy Piven, like throwing this poor sex worker around a bathroom and obviously killing her. But like, it's, yeah. and also being like, my favorite white man thing. Doesn't feel like work, does it? Like, isn't it fun? Like, oh yeah, like I'm better than all the other guys you fuck. Like, I'm a real guy. And it's just <sighs> like, I want to rip off your penis. <laughs> just like, I can't <sighs> handle you. And that's why at points, I'm like, this is just so ridiculously 90s machismo. It, it's almost funny. Yeah. Because, again, cause it's just so Yeah, ridiculous. it really, and it was the beginning of like a major wave of um of material that was kind of all in this but like I still I it's okay <laughs> I think of it as being like kind of in relationship to the man show and the game yes. and like all of these oh things God, that the were man very show. much like just I, are are the straight men okay no they have never been okay and they like you know uh it's uh, uh, something that's wild to me just thinking about it is the 
tradition of the bachelor party being the night before or like immediately preceding your wedding Mm -hmm. um having to show up at your own wedding uh with your li- with your life in shambles, uh, even if if it's just being like hungover and sweaty and disgusting, um, it's a strange thing. Yeah, it's a strange thing to have all of your terrible childhood friends take you out to get you wrecked before you go like commit to a relationship it's it's so it's so weird it's so weird but i i do think that this is where peter berg and um particularly his his cinematographer have like did a really good job of capturing this sort of sequence because like you said mary beth you have the sex happening in the bathroom but then you also have ufc which again is a very homoerotic sport when I watch it and they're like grappling and they're on the floor and they are in like a, a missionary sex position that a lot of gay men are are doing and they're in this position and they're holding each other and it's sweaty and it's like it's like this this idea that men cannot cannot be intimate with each other unless there is a th- a threat of violence involved and so we have that and we have the the people in the um uh, in the the hotel room that are roughhousing and they're like being more intimate with each other than they have been this entire movie while the, while the sex is actually happening in the bathroom. And they keep intercutting between all three to show like this sort of homosocial, homoerotic like undertone that is just there. And it just, I, I don't know. It's, I, I was like, Oh, you are trying to say something here about the, this friendship group and how there is like a connection between violence and sex and how men interact with each other. And the only way that they can show intimacy with each other. And I was, cause there's a moment later on too, where Christian Bale's or Christian, I keep calling in my head, Christian Bale, Christian Slater's character, just full on kisses, uh, you know, uh, John Favreau's character. And it's like, after oh, this I whole thing about, about that, He's like, there's there's love in this car. He has this whole like monologue. I actually wrote it down because it's like, what is happening here? Where he he says they're contemplating like, what have we done? It's time to confess our sins. And he's like, well, that's the question we should be asking ourselves. What have we done? You want to know what we're doing here? You are love pumping, which I don't know what that means. What? He's like, you're protecting <laughs> you're protecting all that is sacred and beautiful and in seek with poetry and sunsets and little newborn babies. You're walking the walk. That's that. This is what it is, Fisher. You love this woman and nothing supersedes love. This car is full of love. You're going to do what it takes, whatever it takes. And then he kisses him on the lips. And it's like this this moment and i'm like what what is happening here that is that's really wild (laughs) now now i do want to thoroughly (laughs) it's why it's really weird it's weird i was like i wasn't sure what to expect but it wasn't a fascinating obviously flawed look at homoeroticism and the ways that men interact with each other and men and like male yeah male feelings of not being able to be like emotional around each other without being absolutely and how they're all coping with their friend getting married and what that means for their group dynamic or each Mm -hmm. other like also mm, just like i love every single fucking one of these movies is like oh women and i'm like why why do we (laughs) perpetuate these cycles when all it is is like the most miserable thing because at one point Jeremy Piven's like, everything's going to change when you get married. Like, everything is going to be ruined, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? What marriage? Wild. Like, that. that's just, like, what the the model that I thought marriage was going to be like as a kid watching movies like this. And being like, oh, you're going to be miserable and everyone's going to think it's so funny. And now I'm getting actually getting married. And I'm like, wait, 
this rules. Like, this actually isn't that bad. Like, it's just so interesting. Listen, I'm a huge fan. I actually feel like a weird, like, religious zealot somehow when I talk about really loving being married and loving having gotten married. First of all, it feels like, you know, the I don't know, everything old is new again. It was so the concept of marriage being the old ball and chain and being like this disgusting mm. obligation that everybody has to go through. I don't personally get it because I'm not, it's not been my experience. Like it's been pretty tight, honestly. Like I've been with my partner for a 10 for 10 years before we're getting married. So it's also like, Oh yeah, nothing's going to change, but it's like, he rules. Like I like hanging out with him. Yeah. Like it's going to, like we get to do the same shit. I'm stoked. Why are why are all y'all? But like, but also like, you could just not get married. Like, if you hate the idea of oh, being married, I just like, love just the don't idea of being married. Fucking do yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> but like, what really? No, I, no, I don't mean oh, you. Yeah. I mean like the uh, the proverbial world. Yeah, like, yeah. like that's 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 the uh, every everybody out there who uh, who is writing these movies of like, ugh, my wife, ugh, I'm getting married, yuck. Like you don't get what? Who told you you had to? Exactly. I mean, probably your parents, but well, tell like, them to fuck off. Cameron Diaz's character at the end talks about this. She's like, "I've been waiting twenty seven years. I've been practicing twenty seven years to walk down that aisle, <sighs> and it's like the pressure that we." I will not be embarrassed. Uh, I will not be denied. I'm walking come hell or yes, high water. Like the pressure that girls, honestly, good for her. Yeah, like that girls are put are put through at a young age to be thinking and planning and preparing for marriage. And then the men yeah. are just like, doo, 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 I'm sad. Like, I can't, I guess I'll be there. Like, I guess I'll be there. Like That's how they're portrayed. Boop, boop, bop. And then it's just like the bumbling <laughs> idiot men who are just like, I guess I'll just do it. And then the women who just like seem like hungry, scary monsters who literally have been told if you don't get married, you're not a real person. And it's just like, oh, man. right? It's disgusting. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. So it's um, just, woo, boy. It's what? I'm trying to remember, for some reason, this is bringing me, bringing back visceral memories of a reality show um, where it was, where you, like, the women were competing to get extreme plastic surgery and the show is going to pay for their wedding. Did you ever? Yes, no, okay. I did. I'm gonna do. A br- I did. I remember this. Yeah. It, I. Yep. It was on. It was on E or Bravo or something yes. like that. Um. What the heck was it called? But there was a, an incredible send off when when contestants would get kicked off the show. The host would say to them, "Your wedding will still go on. It just won't be perfect." <laughs> I was like, man, if that doesn't say something no. about how we think about weddings, oh god, well, like, so you know- dark. Well, and there also is this like crazy pressure for it to be Jesus. perfect, like constantly. Horrible. I was like, if it's not perfect, it's terrible. And it's like, again, in it's right. in this movie, it's like, oh, they don't have the padded gold covered chairs and the tent and these tent guys and just like all of and then like the poor and then you know obviously she's supposed to be bridezilla, but the poor woman who's like literally all you had to do was send the checks, please, for the love mm-hmm. of God. Just tell me you sent the checks. And he's just like, yeah. And it's just like, (laughs) Jesus, it's fat. It's just, oh my God. I I do have to give it up to, to, um, uh, Cameron Diaz though, because she commits to the role so incredibly well. There's that, 
the moment where she is talking about the waiting 27 years and she is like, he is finally telling her all the shit that, that they've done. She's like telling her bridesmaids two minutes, give me two fucking minutes right now. She's like trying to like dig into this with him. And the, the line, I just, I laughed so hard when she's like, you and more are going to go and move those fucking bodies. Do you understand me? You're going to go Barry Boyd with them. And in fact, you know what? You're going to put more in the ground with two. And while you're at it, give her that fucking dog. Cause she is so sick of the dog that got bequeathed to them because their friends untimely passing. And she just like, it's like this moment of like, I cannot believe that this is what I'm having to deal with right now. Yeah. Fuck you all. Go take care of this. But see, and that's what's yeah. even more fucked up about the ending though, because what? Well, oh, this, this ending. ending is so fucking blue. The ending, the ending is, is so, is so dark. dark. So it's like at this point, one of them has been hit by a van and decimated. One of them has been shot and made it look like has been shot, and then Boyd makes it look like he and the deceased brother's wife were having an affair, killed them. Boyd's killed, and then we have our John Favreau and his friend, his last remaining friend, get into a horrific car accident after burying the bodies and can't gets ejected through the windshield into, into the, the other, other car's windshield. windshield. I was like, come on. I mean, these are like wilder, more screwed up kills than you would find in, in Wait, a, a lot yes, of yes. movies. Like, where the whole point is like a big, a big body count. This has this more than half of the cast is dead by the end of the movie. Yes. Yeah. And in her, and or maimed in absolutely horrific ways. So it's like they have yeah. inherited the children. Cool date movie. Yeah. They've inherited <laughs> the dog. They've inherited the two children of the two of the parents who have died. And now the two guys are in wheelchairs and she is now taking care of the children and the man children who are now disabled yeah. and she is just shown having a mental breakdown. This woman who doesn't have a caretaking bone in her body. No, um. not even. And it ends with her screaming in the middle of the street, just like the crushing reality of marriage upon her shoulders and just like the reality of her scenario. And I'm like, so we just, the, the end got me so badly. Cause like, okay, so we're just going to punish. Now the woman is the one that's like fully being punished at the end. Yeah. And like all she was trying to do was do what the world has been telling her to do. And now she is saddled with the Isn't this crazy that this is the, <laughs> this is the creator of Friday Night Lights. Probably the only not like completely non-toxic portrayal of a heterosexual marriage on television ever. Like, you know, like uh, the Taylors are like, you know, is there a better TV marriage? Right. No. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess he evolved his perspective. I, I do think this ending has definitely, I don't know how well it was perceived at the time, but it definitely goes off like a wet fart in this, though, because it's like <laughs> the final joke of the movie is that she's now having to deal with disabled people. Like that is, right. I was like, oh, this is... Not great. Yeah, it's 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 twenty types of problematic. There's uh -huh. not a moment that goes by in this movie that isn't like, well, that's a problem. I mean, you could have <laughs> one heck of a drinking game out of that. Exactly. Like, how much of a yeah. problem? Okay. How how many shots? Because again, like the ending, it, like it makes it feel like, oh, that wasn't satire. Like, because you want, so I wanted it to be like, okay, cool. So we're just like all in on this fucked up joke and the way it ends. And I'm like, oh god, is this just icky boy humor? And I think. I don't think there's a right. I don't think there's one answer. I think this movie is a little bit more complicated than that. But it's very weird 
to have it be occupying this both seemingly fascinating space of like, oh yeah, like toxic masculinity, but then also ending mm-hmm. on a, but women, am I right? And it's like, <laughs> how did you do both? Like, I want to be impressed yeah, by that. Or, by, or like, <laughs> is, is the, because everybody else sort of pays for their sins in one way. And it's her sin of caring too much about just this one thing that now that she pays for it with her in the rest of her existence and servitude to people that she doesn't know how to help or too many people. I I don't, Yep. I mean, I don't know that it's that deep, but (laughs) um, (laughs) I will just, I do want to say that what you said about Cameron Diaz is uh, she's never not excellent. And, you know, she really, I think she's retired from acting now, but I, I, I think she really gave us, this is, I wouldn't put this at the top of her work. Um, she did a good job. <laughs> she was really good She's at it. She's really, really good at the, it. I, yeah. The, uh, the Cameron Diaz collection from, from 96 through 2012 is, uh, is really something really worth a revisit. And, and it's what, and it's what kind of drew me, I think, to select like, ah, yes, we'll go to this movie. It was like, I love her. She's, she's great. so pretty and she's always happy. <laughs> and then in the she movie, has such she a great out. smile. No, she does. <laughs> <laughs> but you nope. know, the one thing I was thinking as I was watching this though, too, is like, this is obviously a work of fiction because these men, if this was real life would become Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> yeah. is what I was thinking. Right? Like these men would get mm-hmm. away with this in the real world. And yeah. Become Brad and they wouldn't Kavanaugh's. have a. They wouldn't have the guilty mental breakdowns that they have in the movie. No, they would just be like, "Well, that was that, and we'll never speak of it again, because we're already yeah. bad at talking about our feelings. Why would we talk about the dark thing that happened to us in Vegas?" Exactly. Exactly. Um. So quickly before we wrap up, I do just want to touch on the one part of this movie that really fucked with me, which is when the security guard is dying and begging for his life. Oh my in that god! Bathroom. That, that was, I was like, I can't, I was like, hmm, this is a lot for me. And I watch really fucked up shit. And this is a lot. Like, it's just a very long death scene of these five shitty white men listening to the black guy they stabbed dying in the bathroom. And they're just like, all with varying reactions of like, terror or like, disgust. And it's just like, this is this is a horror movie. Like that was the moment when I was like, "This yes. is a horror movie." Like this is a torture porn saw hostile level shit of like hearing this guy like bleeding out in a bathroom and boy just yeah. being like, "He'll bleed out. He'll bleed out." I'm like, "This is just this is so disturbing. I can't like that that part to me is like I was like, "All right, this is like a whole other animal of weirdness." Yeah. So yeah, there is a true a truly dark. I, this is really making me feel justified but this movie like ruined me yeah. <laughs> because because i did feel like like the movie itself has a haunted like a really disturbed quality to it a viciousness and mm-hmm. uh ruthlessness yeah uh the kind of thing that we you know even the most mean-spirited content of of now could not could not even uh, touch this. <laughs> no, we, the way yeah, the way that Boyd immediately goes into the when when he is trying to problem solve this situation, and he refers to the sex worker as it at this point. It's like <sighs> we have to take care of it. This is a hundred and five pound problem, 
the way that the callous way that they are now talking about this poor person as if they're nothing more than just a paperweight is like, yeah. absolutely. And that's is why it- I'm like, Peter Berg is doing something here and, and really digging into these sort of characters that we see in cinema that like, in reality are actually absolutely horrible people. And so that's why I'm like, I'm ha- I have a hard time with this movie because there are moments of it that I feel like he is really trying to say something. And then there are other moments where I'm like, ah, I don't know about this dude. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is a commentary about in, in humanity. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, the title does does say it all. <laughs> it's it a sure whole bunch does. Of very bad very things. Very bad things. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So, uh, do we want to uh, wrap up and give this one a rating out of five? <laughs> yes, let's do that. All right, Terry. Uh, how many mixed up <laughs> body parts out of five do you give very bad oh, things? <laughs> how do we rate this? <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I'm just gonna on what scale? <laughs> yeah, what's the metric? Like, <laughs> Like, I, you know, I don't. On how I, fucked up it is, it's like a ten. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is two full suitcases of body parts out of ten in terms of like how fucked up it. I, you know, I have a hard time with this because I, there are moments where I actually did laugh and I thought this is really kind of a sharp, dark comedy. Because my favorite again comedy is that on the line of like, should I be laughing at this? I don't know yeah. if I should. And this movie does that incredibly well. But then there are aspects of it that I'm like. This makes me feel dirty in a way that I, I'm not enjoying. Like, I'm like, I don't, it's not making me feel great. And the ending, I kind of wish they had just left it with the the uh, accident and not added this other part about, that gets kind of cringy. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I never want to see this movie again, I don't think. But it's also very well done in some cases. I... Uh, I don't know. Two and a half, maybe, I guess. Because, like, there are some really good stuff in it, and then there's some, like, really bad stuff in it. So, I think that's what I'm going to go with, because I honestly do not know. What about you, Mary Beth? Save me. Yeah, I think, like, right in the middle is 2.5 for me, because, I again, I keep waffling with this. I can't tell if this is supposed to be a satire, or I just think it is, from a 2022 seat of having never seen it or heard of it before. I don't know <laughs> how intentional it was. There's some really cool things going on here, and there's some really even more horrible things going on here, and I don't know. And it's very weird to see how this shaped a genre of movies that were very, like, not this and, like, way nicer. And it's very weird to see how this mean-spirited thing spawned this hilarious sex comedy subgenre. So that's very weird to me, That and I'll have to do some noodling on that for a while. But yeah, I think two and a half <laughs> is probably the way- Yeah? Maggie, what about you? Yeah. <laughs> are we out of are we out of ten? Are we out of ten? Out of five. Out of five. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, it it kind of ruined. Uh, it took something from me. <laughs> so, <laughs> it did. Yeah, uh, I would say I would give it a half star, but um, or a half of suitcase of body parts, like um, a forearm. But I, it, I'll just to say something again about the Rodriguez review. He does say something. Of, he says, like, Peter Berg, this movie shows that Peter Berg has a great movie in him. Mm. And I think that that is kind of what you were speaking to, Terry, is like, there are moments in here that speak to a kind of higher ideal and lay the groundwork for somebody who has has some 
important things to say and some great art to show us. And and I will just, you know, making movies myself, I'll say any movie that gets made is a miracle. And a lot goes into them. And, and who knows, like, what kind of good things this movie has brought to many people. And and to me the parts of me that it screwed up have contributed very positively to (laughs) to my career and and what i have to say as an artist so in that regard you know to also two and a half uh suitcases full of body parts (laughs) thank you peter berg and i'm sorry jeff (laughs) i'm sorry jeff seriously peter berg you took jeff But, you know, I I am curious what what you just said. I'm like, I wonder what this movie would have looked like if he had a couple more movies under his belt, because he did go on to do some some great stuff. But like, I'm like, I'm wondering, this is a hard, ambitious movie to tackle as like your first movie. There's a lot of nuance here that I I think maybe if he was a little bit older and wiser, maybe it would have been different. So I I don't know. It's 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 just weird. It's weird. I read oh just a, one more little tidbit. I read that um there was a very similar yikes movie that came out same year on HBO, made for HBO, uh called Stag. And there was some like cross-checking of the legalities and and whatnot. There was uh before very bad things came out. And there's a very interesting Peter Berg quote about how it would be interesting to see three different directors. I think he lists off a couple of people at Soderbergh is in there mm. uh, to see three different directors take on exactly the same material. And I'm like, let's bring it back guys. Let's yeah. do it in 2028. Let's revisit <laughs> the bachelor party <laughs> gone awry. Gone awry. Um, oh man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Maggie, for joining us to talk about this movie and, and bring oh back gosh, so many memories you. from when I was a teenager. Um, what where, where can the listeners find you and what are you able to talk about and plug the floor is is yours oh thank you well i hope i hope everyone who's interested in uh, the bodies hitting the floor or the wall or the uh, every space in the room will watch vhs 99 uh it's also just jam-packed full of uh good songs and good good 90s nostalgia fun um it's on shutter exclusively um, and as for me, you can find me, I am at Maggie Levin on all of the platforms. I do have a TikTok, but there's nothing there. You know, I'm more of a Twitter and a, an Instagram. You know, I'm an old at this point. <laughs> I love TikTok. I spend a lot of time there. Oh my gosh. I'm making anything valuable Have you there. discovered the Taste the Biscuit on TikTok? No. Oh, is this something I love? Oh I love God. a new rabbit hole. It's there's apparently there's this movie from the early 2000s called Chicken in the Shadow or something like that. And there's a song where these these two, they're like older people, they were in some 70s band, and they're doing a tour and they sing the song about taste the biscuit, taste the goodness of the biscuit. Yep. And everyone on TikTok has been doing that. And it's, it is a rabbit hole that I have fallen down. And now my t- timeline is nothing or for you page is nothing but TikTok video, TikTok videos of that song. It's I think you can tell what kind of gal I am that my TikTok page is still 
Spagliato with Prosecco oh, I can't it. even discuss oh, it. Yes. Oh, it's, oh, all I can think about is Emma Darcy. Oh, like Emma Darcy. Oh, they are oh. just fuck me. Anyway, um, we can't. I can't get started on that because yeah. that's just been on a repeat loop in my head for a week now. Oh, the minute I saw it, I was like, I'm married to this clip now. This is part of my marriage. I'm bringing this interview of uh, Emma Darcy <laughs> into my marriage. Now, I, um, I, such I, a good I clip. want to watch House of the Dragon because of that fucking clip. So good for them because they did it. They got my ass. They got my ass. They yep. did. With a fucking yep. Negroni. Oh, well worth it. Uh, I, 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 Negroni. <laughs> Oh I know I want a Negroni. Watch us, watch us both melt down about <laughs> Negroni. With Prosecco and Ustodin. Ustodin. Okay. The Ustodin is really ad just... <laughs> I'm turning, for your listeners at home, I'm turning bright red thinking about this phrase. Stunning. Um, okay, oh, so listeners, you heard from us. <laughs> we want to hear from you. What's your As we all fan ourselves in the power. Got the vapors. Got the vapors. Uh, what's your experience with Very Bad Things or that incredible TikTok video that has us all under it? There's its spell. Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB Andrews. <laughs> and I'm a gaily dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scar Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, subscribe, and sign up to our Patreon. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. <laughs>